Welcome to the Modern Merriman Podcast with Tom Hicks and John DeVito. Modern Merriman is a podcast on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We're hosting a weekly conversation on the law and the gospel so that church leaders and Christian lay people will rightly divide the word of truth. Tom, we're once more here together. It's great to be back again, brother. I always enjoy our time together. And of course, we return to having our special guest from the last two episodes. So if you want to introduce him one more time, uh, please do. Absolutely. Well, we have the privilege once again of having Dr. William Van Dude Award with us. Uh, he is a professor of church history at Puritan Reform Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's the author of First and Second Peter, Feed My Sheep, and The Quest for the Historical Adam, and also The Marrow Controversy and Seceder Tradition. Dr. Van Dude Award, we're glad to have you back with us again today. It's great to be with you. Today, we wanted to ask you some questions about the Merrowmen and the free offer of the gospel particularly. We got into that a little bit in previous episodes, but wanted to focus on it uh, today. Uh, the first question we have for you is, what did the Merrowmen believe about the free offer of the gospel? Well, the Merrowmen uh, just very clearly pressed home the, the, the fact that the offer of the gospel is is something that is to be made freely, you could say indiscriminately, widely, to be proclaimed to everyone. And uh, that there are, are no conditions that would uh, hinder that free offer of the gospel. Uh, no prerequisites, no qualifications that is to be proclaimed widely, uh, fully and freely to everyone. Everyone in the pew, everyone in the community. And how would they express the free offer? Like, what would be a way of articulating it from a Merrow perspective? So, from a Merrow perspective, it would be to proclaim Christ as the Savior of sinners, uh, to proclaim that uh, He is the one who calls sinners to come to Him in repentance and faith, and that He is the one who provides complete salvation for them. And so uh, it's a, a proclamation of Christ, uh, of who he is as uh, the perfect high priest, uh, the one who's made the perfect sacrifice, the one who's both savior and king, and uh, who calls men, women, and children uh, as sinners to come to him uh, for new life. Amen. Amen. Well, then, if with, with all of that, of course, uh, what uh, made this uh, doctrine from the modern merriment of the free offer so controversial in, in, in the midst of what was going on in Scottish Presbyterianism? Yeah, one of the, the big issues was that uh, a lot of people had started to slip away from the freeness of proclaiming you know, that free offer. And I think there are many ways that that can happen. It can happen maybe in our own our own pride, uh, feeling that you know somehow uh, it's really people who are kind of cleaned up a bit uh, who would be suitable to come to Christ, and it was that kind of mentality in a sort of a hyper Calvinistic way, what we call a preparationist way, uh, in the Church of Scotland at this time. And so the idea was that uh, we can offer Christ to people, yes. But really, that offer can only be personal and direct if they show some signs of election. If they show that they're already, you know, they've got a sorrow for sin, 
the depth of conviction. And so before we offer Christ to anybody, uh, we really need to focus first on convicting them of sin, uh, and seeing in them, you know, a church attendance, a desire for a moral life, these other things, and then we'll proclaim Christ to them on the basis of those prerequisites. What which, would the pro? Go ahead. You can go ahead. I was going to say which, uh, which at the end of the day will never be achieved uh, because yeah. uh, there's no limit. With that, uh, the importance of the free offer and what it is, um, how would what would it look like for someone to preach Christ without the free offer of the gospel? What we see in Scotland at this time is that those who are preaching Christ. Uh, you could say, without the free offer of the gospel, uh, are, are in their preaching focusing on both conviction of sin, as well as, interestingly enough, uh, a call to a moral life. And so they'd be very direct and personal in their applications in these areas. Uh, they, they would uh, you know, very directly address their hearers uh, with personal pronouns, you, you know, do you uh, know the depth of your sin? Uh, do you understand uh, the way that this call to contentment applies to you? Do you see your discontent? Do you feel the depth of the evil of your sin against God? And then uh, also uh, make the direct exhortations. You know, you must uh, come uh, to this place of worship to be under the preaching of the word. And and so you'd have these direct applications, but then when it came to proclaiming Christ, it would just be at the most a very general, but really descriptive uh, statement. You know, Christ, uh, Christ is a savior for, for those uh, who repent of their sin, for those who sorrow over their sin. And there would be no personal application in the same way. There wouldn't be the direct use of pronouns. It wouldn't be applied in the same way. It'll be left sort of floating as a general statement uh, mm. and a qualified general statement. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you have, you know, if you are broken over your sin, come to Christ. Get mm. your soul burdened and weighed down, then come to Christ. But it would leave so that, that question. Yeah, that leaves people wondering, well, am I broken over my sin enough to come to Christ? Am I, you know, sorry for my sin? And only if I am, then I can come to Christ. So it's not an unqualified command to come. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I think we could face the same dangers in some of our churches today. I've seen that occasionally with young men who come out of a broad evangelical background, coming into the Reformed faith, and uh, maybe starting to read some of the Puritans and appreciating some of that rich, older writing, but then doing this pendulum swing uh, where they're going right past the fear of the gospel. They're so concerned over nominalism in the church mm -hmm. and presumption that they think the answer is, I need to preach conviction of sin far more deeply. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe they did need to grow in some of that, but what they lose sight of is, I need to preach the full sufficiency of Christ hand in hand. Yeah. Amen. It, one of the uh, things that I also wonder would would there also be we've mentioned before you know in light of this claim that maybe uh, fisher and the marrow men um 
or flirting with or embraced a kind of hypothetical universalism or universal atonement that, that out of a, a zeal or desire to guard um, uh, limited atonement, uh, definite atonement, particular redemption that, you know, look, if, if God has only chosen his elect for salvation, then, then it's, it's not proper to freely offer Christ to the non-elect. Um, is, is there that kind of, of thinking going on as well? There certainly was that kind of thinking going on at the time in, in the Church of Scotland as well, uh, where there was this uh, concern for the sovereignty of God in salvation, the particular atonement, the doctrine of election, but in a way that uh, really was misconstrued. You know, if you think about the Reformed stream, you, you had the uh, Synod of Dort, the Canons of Dort, 1618, 1619, uh, which really beautifully outlined the connection of God's sovereignty and the free offer of the gospel, the sufficiency of Christ. But that was getting lost. And uh, the, the understanding of the doctrine of election and the particular uh, reality of the atonement was... Uh, then sort of uh, impacting uh, and and wrongly affecting the way that they're reading the texts of Scripture when it came to the offer of the gospel, not seeing that, uh, that the Lord has called us to proclaim this gospel indiscriminately. Amen. So then maybe build on that a little further, why you think that the doctrine of the free offer is important for us to affirm? Well, I think uh, number one reason is because it's scriptural. Uh, Amen. And, and so, that, you know, we see the pattern of scripture uh, through and through. We look at the gospels, that Christ's proclamation of himself, his call to sinners in the gospels. Uh, you know, we look at the Pauline epistles. Uh, we go back to... Uh, the Old Testament, I think of uh, Christ's words, and I mentioned this in an earlier episode um, in John 3, where he's talked about as Moses lifted up the uh, serpent in the wilderness, and then going on to apply that to himself, and the, the wide call that he makes uh, regarding himself as the Savior of sinners, so to his hearers. And so, I think simply because it's rooted in Scripture, we see this is the language of scripture. Amen. That's a call. Well, I know I've certainly appreciated the insight that you've provided for us today. And uh, the last few episodes, as we've been considering the marrow controversy and uh, the, the controversies uh, have been very helpful and, and continue to be relevant in our own day. And so I'm wondering, as we kind of uh, end our time together, if you would kind of go into more contemporary application. What, what, does, what does this mean as we continue in pastoral ministry day? What does this mean for our churches as uh, these issues tend to be perpetually uh, a struggle and, and things we have to work on? Uh, you know, th those kinds of thoughts, I, I, I certainly appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, I think, at, at, you know, at the heart of it, um, these, these tendencies that we see in the past in the history of the church, they're, they're, in a way, the tendencies of our own hearts. Uh, we, we, we have the same tubs on the one hand to legalism, on the other hand to antinomianism. Mm. And so there are these 
uh, struggles that manifest, you know, in ourselves trying to be self-righteous uh, uh, or uh, to pursue sin, to be beguiled by the lie of sin and fall in love with it. And the answer is the preaching of the whole counsel of the word of God, the law and the gospel. And I think it's beautifully outlined in the marrow and in Boston's notes and uh, the rich uh, writings of this time. And ultimately at the center of that is proclaiming Christ. Amen. Christ in his full sufficiency. Uh, that, that good old saying that they used to uh, put on a little plaque on pulpits, uh, sir, we would see Jesus. Mm. And that as we see Christ in his holiness, in his goodness and grace, in his mercy, uh, there that we have all that we need, both to in convicting us of sin as he speaks to us by his word and in showing us his great grace and love, uh, mm. his tenderness towards us as sinners, his welcome, uh, the beauty of that. Uh, there's a quote that I, I, I love from Thomas Boston uh, where he talks about the the gospel offer. And uh, he says this, he's preaching on Isaiah. He says that this gospel offer, Christ's uh, welcome, is endorsed to all of you, to every one of you. Uh, you have uh, a reason to sign it for yourselves, kind of like a, a, a contract or a statement being given. Uh, what's your name? Would you answer to the name of a thirsty sinner? Then read your name, see how it's directed to you, Isaiah. Oh, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. He that has no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. But would you answer to the name of a willing sinner? Then it's directed to you. Revelation 22, whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Are you a burdened sinner, a heavy laden sinner, is the words that uh, Boston uses. Arise then, the master calls you, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Matthew 11. Is your name Horish Backslider? Jeremiah 3, verse 1. You've played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again unto me, says the Lord. Are you a lost sinner? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19. No, are you the chief of sinners? Even to you the word of salvation is sent. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1.15 Whatever means you might use to disown these or any other to be your name, surely you are a man, a son of man. You can't deny that to be your name. Therefore, it's directed to you, to every one of you. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Proverbs 8, verse 4 yeah, that's the kind of preaching that came out of uh, the evangelical side of the marrow controversy. And, you know, that's just Christ's call, his claim, uh, his great welcome to us. And uh, that at the end of the day, it's, it's seeing Jesus, isn't it? A great Amen. Savior, how good he is. Amen. And uh, what, a, what a privilege to, to tell others in counseling and in preaching about it. Amen. Well, hopefully through our time together, uh, people, even through that wonderful Boston quote, are getting a taste for the, the value of drinking deeply at the well of the insights of uh, the modern marrow and, and, and the marrow men. Uh, such uh, help and blessing they've been to my soul and continue to be as, as I seek to follow and, and, and uh, you know, preach and proclaim the, the, the glories of Christ and his 
his all-sufficient love for sinners. And I'm sure we all hope and pray that there will rise up many, many more who will uh, bring these truths and freely offer and invite uh, indiscriminately the world to Christ in whom they will find uh, all that that they need to uh, be satisfied and, and rejoice by his grace. And Amen. so I thank you for being with us, brother, and I look forward to uh, seeing what you continue to uh, produce and, and uh, write in the future. But we want to thank everyone here for listening to the Modern Merriman podcast on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. If you'd like to know more about CBTS, please visit us online at cbtseminary.org. That's cbtseminary.org.